to the book of James. We're going to continue our study. We're in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. If this is your first time here, please please know that what we're doing now is uh, we're, we're going through James verse by verse, hitting every single verse of the book. And we're now in chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, or excuse me, 19 through 21, a sermon that's entitled today, Quick and Slow, Quick and Slow. If you're able, please stand and honor the reading of God's holy word. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Pray with me, please. Lord, we are so thankful to have your word today. And we recognize that you're teaching us how to live under the Lordship of Christ. Father, open our ears, our minds to receive it and plant it in our hearts. May we live it and know it, Father. Lord, if there's one here today, maybe they um, have heard about you and your church, but they have never trusted Christ for salvation. They've never understood your mercy or your grace. We pray for that one today, that he or she might come to know you as Savior. And for believers today, we ask that we continue to grow in your grace. And most importantly, may we worship you through the preaching of your word. We ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And as you're being seated, again, please note your bulletin on the back of your bulletin, an outline, Lord willing, that will enable you to walk through this sermon with me as I preach it. Well, friends, when we started the book of James a few weeks ago, We said that James is one of the most practical books in the entire Bible. We even said that its theme is this, that James teaches us practical truth for the Christian life. So as we look back on the last few weeks, we ask this question, how has James taught us to live the Christian life so far? Well, he's done that using in English the letter T. Over the past several weeks, we've looked at three T's. We've looked at trials, temptations, and testing. If you'll remember, James opens his book and teaches us to expect trials in the Christian life. And he even teaches us as Christians, you can walk through those trials with joy. Because God's got this issue in his hand. He's sovereign. He's allowing it to come into your life. In fact, he's growing you in your faith as you walk through the trial. We learned the necessities of walking through those trials to have wisdom, proper perspective, and steadfastness. Last week, Pastor Darrell taught us the next two T's, temptations and testing. We learned that God does not tempt man, but Satan certainly will. Satan will, as the text says, lure and entice man. And man is ultimately responsible for his own sin. But God will test Christians from time to time. Just as he did with Abraham and Isaac in Genesis 
chapter 22. Well, friends, today we get to the fourth T. And this last T is truth. Truth. In fact, from now to the end of chapter 1, James teaches believers how to receive and how to apply biblical truth in our lives. We're going to find that today's sermon, just like the whole book, is very practical in nature. James uses verbs and illustrations that we're all familiar with. We understand. So it's simple in that respect, yet the application of these verbs, of these illustrations, is absolutely profound in the lives of Christians. Today, James zooms in and he tries to answer this simple question. How do we as believers receive and apply biblical truth? How do we receive and apply biblical truth? Friends, today, James answers that question in three specific ways. He says it this way. Be quick, be slow, and put away and receive. Be quick, be slow, and put away and receive. So as we look at this first point today on being quick, let's reread verse 19. It says this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Before we talk about these, this point about being quick, I want to tell you a story. This happened in the spring semester of my junior year of college. It was 1998. You see, at King College, we were required to have three physical education requirements at college before you could graduate. Well, I'd taken care of two of them. I had already taken two weightlifting courses. Loved that. Um, Loved doing that. I had one more PE class to take at King College. And And you know what they offered that semester as a PE credit? Ballroom dancing. Ballroom dancing. And it's one of those things, it was a small campus that everybody was doing it. So if everyone did it, it was cool to do. So here I am saying, okay, I'll do the ballroom dancing class. And I want you to know I'm very grateful that I took that class. You know why? Because I met my wife in that class. That's where we connected for the first time. But that's a different story. Um, In that class, our instructor was Dr. Tom Peake. Loved Dr. Peake. And he taught us all the ballroom dances. He taught us the waltz. He taught us the tango and the cha-cha. All the different ballroom dances that you learn, we went through them. But the very first ballroom dance he taught us was something called the foxtrot. You ever done the foxtrot? Anybody ever done the foxtrot? A couple hands, not many hands. The foxtrot. And he taught us the foxtrot first because it's a basic box step. It's something that has very easy commands, and you can follow them quite easily. But as Dr. Peak taught us the foxtrot, he was very intentional about our steps and how you take your steps. And to this day, I can hear Dr. Peak's voice as he's teaching the foxtrot. He would say, step this way, step slow, slow, quick, quick, slow, 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 quick, quick, slow. And we heard his instruction, and we learned the foxtrot. Now, I know what you're thinking. 
I'd love to see Pastor Adam demonstrate this. Maybe Deirdre should come up on the stage and we should do the foxtrot. You know, we were thinking about that and my knee's just hurting so bad. I'd love to do that, but because of my knee, I just can't. No. In all seriousness, why do I mention this? You know, Dr. Peake's voice, his commands of being slow, slow, quick, quick, slow. It taught us as students that there's certain parts in this dance that you want to be intentionally slow. You're doing that on purpose. But there's other parts that when you get to it, you don't want to be slow. You want to be quick. And if you do this in rhythm, it works together and you have a foxtrot. Friends, I tell you the story today because Dr. Peake's voice to me, and I hope to you today, is a reminder of what James says about living the Christian life. Because James specifically tells us today that as we live the Christian life, there are certain times we need to be slow. Slow. And there's other times where we need to be quick. And James teaches us how to know the difference. He gives us the wisdom to know the difference. When to be slow, when to be quick. What's the first thing he says in verse 19? Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick. Be quick to hear. As you walk through the Christian life, you're living under the Lordship of Christ, there's times to be quick. James says be quick to hear. We always want to look at proper perspective. We learned that a few weeks ago. And the Proverbs, as James teach us great perspective specifically on being quick to hear. Proverbs 17, 28 says, Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Friends, the first thing James teaches us to do about receiving truth and applying truth is to be a good listener, to be quick to listen. To be a careful listener, to pay attention on what's said. Have any of you ever heard Charles Stanley preach on TV? I remember growing up and he'd be on the TV set all the time at my house. If you've heard Charles Stanley preach a number of times, there's one word that he says all the time in his sermons to his congregation. You know what it is? Listen. Listen. He's calling his congregation to be attentive, right? To listen to what? The Word of God. He's got the Bible open. He's preaching, proclaiming God's Word. He tells his congregation over and over and over, listen. You know who else did that? The Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus would say as he taught, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Open your ears to the things of God is what Jesus is saying. Friends, the problem, though, is that this is a hard art to master. This whole listening, it's very difficult for us to do. Well, why is that? Well, in order to properly listen, we have to take the focus off of ourselves, don't we? And focus on someone else. You see, listening involves being self Less instead of being selfish. And our sin nature 
loves to be selfish. It's easy for us to focus on ourselves. But James is teaching us how to live the Christian life. He says that is a life of discipline. We're to be disciplined and willing to open our ears to hear why. You know, listening is such a good way to love your neighbor as yourself. Listening is such a good way to be patient with others and look to the interest of others. But more importantly and appropriate to the context of this statement, listening is the way that you and I receive the Word of God. We hear the Scriptures. You see, God wants us to be eager to receive His Word. In fact, the Scriptures teach us in Psalm 1 that one of the delights of the Christian is to hear the Word of God. Psalm 1 2 says this, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Psalm 42 gives us another picture of wanting and desiring the scriptures. It says, as the deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul, or so pants my soul for you, O God. Friends, this text is calling us as believers to take a spiritual inventory. And we need to ask ourselves these type of questions. Are we eager today to be quick to hear, to listen to the Word of God? Like that deer that pants for the water, do our souls pant and long to hear the Word of God being spoken into our lives? Because in this part of Christianity, we're to be quick to do that, not slow. This is where we need to be quick to open our ears and even close our mouths so that we might receive the Word of God, the truth that He has for us. But while this text says we're to be quick to hear, it moves on. And it says that we are to now be slow to do other things. Slow, slow, quick, quick, slow. What other things are we to be slow to do? You heard it in the text. Verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Be, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Perspective, once again, from the Proverbs. This is Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Friends, in order for us to be quick to hear, that means we have to be slow to speak. Have you ever gotten into trouble for something you said? All the time, right? Wives, has your husband ever gotten into trouble for what he said? And vice versa? I think we could all raise our hands to that. We could all raise our hands. James actually is going to teach us a few chapters later. No man can tame the tongue. It's something really evil. That's why we need God in your life. And the restraint of the Holy Spirit. Bring our tongue into the Lordship of Christ. Uh, you know, it was a couple years ago. Um, NBC had a very well-known anchor who got into a lot of trouble, not for something he went out and did, but for something that he said. 
And because of what he said, he lost his job as the anchor of the nightly news. Our tongue gets us into trouble all the time, and that's not just to pick on him, because we've all struggled with the tongue. Yet this command by James, it's not a vow for silence. Rather, it teaches us to slow down. Slow down, and in our speech, be careful what we say, be thoughtful how we say it, and to be wise in our choice of words. Friends, this is the opposite of being impulsive or brash with our words, which we all do from time to time. In fact, we're going to continue this in James when we get to chapter 3. James is going to teach us in the very first verse that not many people should be teachers because James says teachers are going to be held to a much higher standard because they have the ability to influence minds, many times young minds, with their words. They have the power of influence with their words over people. Therefore, not many of you should be teachers because teachers will be judged more strictly. That's what the Bible says. Talking about the power of words. John MacArthur tells a story of a Roman orator. Let me read this story to you. He says, when a famous Roman orator was asked by a young man to teach him the art of public speaking, the young man continued an incessant flow of meaningless talk that allowed the great teacher no opportunity to interject a word. When they finally reached the point of discussing a fee, the orator said, Young man, to instruct you in oratory, I will have to charge you a double fee. The young man said, A double fee? Why? Why would you charge me a double fee? And the orator explained, Because, young man, I have to teach you two skills, not one. First of all, I have to teach you how to hold your tongue. Secondly, I have to teach you how to use it. The young man needed to learn how to be quiet first before he could then learn how to speak. How true is that of us? You know, one of the sayings that goes around is this. uh, Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Is that true or false? It's false. It's one of the biggest lies you could be told. Oftentimes... Words hurt far worse than a rock or a stone or a stick being thrown at you. It was about, I think, a year and a half ago when we were looking at the Proverbs. I don't have this verse up, but this made me think of it. It says in Proverbs that that words sometimes are like sharp sword thrusts. That's the picture the Proverbs uses of harmful words one towards the other. Friends, words are very, very powerful. They will either build you up or tear you down. The Apostle Paul said this, and we Blair read it just a moment ago. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. We'll have that on the screen for you. And speaking of our words, he says, Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for what? Building others up. Building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. What's the opposite of building up? Tearing down. Tearing down. We do one of two things with our words. Let us always remember that. Are we building up 
or are we tearing down? So that we don't tear down, James says, be slow to speak. Colossians 4.6, we'll put that on the screen as well. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Now, wait a second. Seasoned with what? Salt. Why would Paul say salt? Salt not only was tasteful, but it did something else. We know what it is. It's a preservative. And as a preservative, it would keep out the bad and keep in the good. What's the application here? In your speech, the things that you say, is that keeping out the bad, the things that dishonor God, and is it keeping in the good, the things that honor Him, the things that are edifying, that build up, instead of tearing down. Again, friends, this is a call to be disciplined, intentional about the way we all use our words. Just as we're quick to open our ears, let us be slow to open our mouths. And let us now transition into this next item to be slow with, our anger. You see, the next part of this verse puts impulsive words into context because careless words often come from angry hearts. A lot of times that we're using careless words is because we're angry. We're upset. So James not only says be quick to hear, he says be slow to speak and slow to become angry. Perspective, again from the Proverbs 14.29, whoever is slow, there it is, here's where you're in the New Testament and the Old Testament, you see unification, you're teaching the exact same thing, using the word slow, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Hasty means quick. If you're quick to anger, you're going to run into folly. Another proverb, this, this is Proverbs 15, 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is what? Slow to anger quiets contention. Slow, slow, quick, quick, slow. Verse 20 continues. Why should we not become angry? Look at verse 20. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Simply put, friends, that our anger does not reflect who God is. This being quick to being angry. Psalm 103 speaks of God saying that he is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. This is not to say that God never gets angry. This is to say that God is slow to anger. And as Christians, we have a call to be Christ-like. We are called to be conformed to the image of his Son. And if God is slow to anger, 
Friends, we are to be that way. Because when we're quick to be angry, you know what happens? Paul writes in Timothy, when you're quick to anger, it hinders your prayer life. Paul says, and he said it just a moment ago when Blair read it, you give the devil a foothold in your life. It leads to folly. Think about those who were quick to being angry in the Old Testament. Moses in Numbers chapter 20. You know, Moses was a very meek man. The Bible describes him as a meek man. Yet in his anger, he disobeyed the Lord. Instead of speaking to the rock, he struck it. In fact, he struck it twice. He was not allowed to go into the promised land. Uzziah, 2 Chronicles 26 Walks into the temple, starts messing with the priestly uh, activities. The priests were there. They said, Uzziah, stop. You don't need to be doing this. Even though you're king, this is for the priest. Uzziah had a decision to make. He could have humbled himself and walked out of the temple, but he didn't. The Bible specifically says he got angry at the priest, basically for telling him the truth. And what happened? The Lord struck him with leprosy. Here's another situation. We looked at this about a year and a half ago, again, when we studied Proverbs. Did you know the Bible actually warns us in befriending those who are angry? Here's what the proverb says. We'll put it on the screen. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. I'll share with you, there was a time in my life that I was around an angry person for a long period of time. And I didn't even realize it. But after I kind of stepped back from that relationship, what I found out was that I was around this person so much that his anger was coming into my life, into my heart. And guess what? I was taking that anger home with me. Now my family gets it. You see the connection? This, this verse says, if you go with a wrathful man, if you're making friendship with a man given to anger, you will learn his ways. And you will be entangled in that snare of anger. That's what was happening to me. And I finally, after stepping back from that relationship, looking at texts like this, found I can't, I have to disconnect that in my life. Because this anger is now pouring into my life and it's pouring out of me into my family. Well, what does God want in our hearts and our lives instead of anger? Well, he teaches us in the word. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We're to be compassionate, gracious, slow to anger. You know, um, a few years ago, we were going through James in our family devotion time at home, and we came to this verse um, about being quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And it was at a time, uh, my son Brock loves basketball. You know, I think you all know that. And he had, he had had a basketball game, and he had missed a few shots. And, and in the game, he had become angry immediately. Oh, the shot didn't go in, or my, you know, my, my buddy on the court was not doing what, I, what he should do, and it was frustrating to him. So we were talking about this verse you know, being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. So I said this. I said, Brock, when you play basketball and things don't go well, are you quick to become angry? He said, yes, Daddy, I am. And I said, well, what should you do instead of being angry? And I thought, you know, I've done such a good job teaching this lesson that he's going to say, Daddy, I should be patient and self-controlled. 
So I was expecting this answer. I said, Brock, what should you do instead of getting angry? You know what he said? Get rebounds. (laughs) Perspective. (laughs) Friends, has your anger ever gotten you into trouble? Or words have, has your anger gotten you into trouble? Remember, slow, slow, quick, quick, slow. There's times to be quick. There's times to be slow. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Now this last point, verse 21, put away and receive. Look at verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So, in other words, what do you do? James tells us, therefore, do this. He says, put away and receive. Put away and receive. Let me tell you another story. Back in 2005, my mom uh, got remarried uh, to Carl. I think y'all have met, many of you have met Carl and my mom. And they got remarried. And when they did, you had my, my mom and all her stuff, which is a gigantic, enormous amount of stuff come and be in the same house with Carl and his stuff, which was a gigantic, enormous amount of stuff. Now, look, we're talking about two people living in one house. It has four bedrooms. It has a den. It has a basement. It has a two-car garage. doesn't matter. Everything was full of stuff. Everything was full of stuff. In fact, they could not park their cars in the garage. There was so much stuff. So in 2007... A couple years later, I said, Mom, we we gotta make a plan. You don't need all this stuff. We we need to put some of this away and, and make room so that your garage can receive your cars. She said, You know what? I agree, let's make a plan. So you know what we did? We had a yard sale. I remember she made like twelve hundred dollars in one day. Big yards. I mean, that's a lot of stuff. But I knew what was gonna happen. I saw it coming. We didn't sell everything. That we, that we brought out of the house into the driveway. And you know what my rule was? If I take it out, it's not going back in. Mom agreed to that. So we sold all this stuff. We still had five truckloads, five full truckloads of stuff. Well, we took some of that stuff to Goodwill, and we took some of that stuff to the dump because you really didn't need it anymore. You don't need Adam's toys that he had when he was three years old. You just don't need that anymore. Let's get rid of that. Now, what's the point of that story? We had to put away a lot of stuff. There was a lot of things in her house that didn't need to be there. And we had to take them to their proper place. We sold them. We took them. We, we did what we had to do to put them away. Why? Because her garage needed to be able to hold her cars. Right? That's what needed to be there were the two cars. So we made it. We put this away. We made it possible for the cars to go in. Friends, why do I tell you this story? Because that's exactly what James is saying to us spiritually. There's some things in our life, all this stuff that we've had for years and years and years, that's piling up in the heart, the home that we have. And James is saying there needs to be a spiritual clean out, man. There's some things that need to go. And you need to put away this stuff in order that you can properly receive the things that you need to have.
Here's what James says in this context. What do you put away? What do you get out of your house? This spiritual house cleaning. You need to put away inattentive ears. You need to put away an unruly tongue. Put away a quick temper. Put away anything that is filthy and evil. Blair read a list a moment ago from Ephesians 4 of things to get rid of. The old man. Put away lying. Sinning while you're angry. Put away stealing and laziness. Put away corrupt talk. Put away bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and malice. This is a spiritual house cleaning. Put it away. There's no room for these types of things in the house of a child of God. Now, after that's cleaned out, get ready to make room. You're making room for what needs to be in your life. Make room, James says. Make room for what? What do you put in? Listening ears. Be quick to hear. Patience. Things that produce the righteousness of God because your anger does not produce the righteousness of God. Telling the truth. Hard work. Edifying words. Kindness. Tenderheartedness. Forgiveness. And James says as you... Clean this out in order, in order in, to receive this. Do that how? Do it with meekness, humility, a teachable spirit. There's an illustration here in this last verse. It says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. The implanted word. This is a farming illustration, that of planting a seed. Friends, when we trusted Christ, the Word of God was implanted in our lives. But even though it's already planted, we must continue to receive it, allowing the Word to direct and control our lives. Friends, filth and evil needs to be cleaned out of our lives so that we can make room for the thing that we need the most. That is the Word of God. So as we close this morning, let's remember that James is teaching us how to live the Christian life. He's answering the question, how do we receive and apply biblical truth? It's slow, slow, quick, quick, slow. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Make room to receive. There's nothing in this passage that's confusing or theoretical in fact, it's quite the opposite. James writes in a way all of us can understand. So as you leave here today, as you go home, as you sit around the lunch table with your family, what are you going to take with you from this text? What perspectives have you learned? Let me ask it this way. Are you quick to listen? Are you quick to listen to the Word of God? And if not, why? Are there too many distractions in your life? Are there things in your life that you need to remove so that you make room to receive the Word of God? Secondly, are you slow to speak? Are you slow to become angry? Remember the perspective. When words are many, transgressions not lacking. For her anger does not produce the righteousness of God. And then finally, are you ready 
Are you ready to prepare your heart to put away the things that don't need to be there in order to make room to receive the Word of God? It's a spiritual house cleaning. And friends, I want you to know that James is teaching us how to live under the Lordship of Jesus. The Word of God affects the way we live our lives, not just on Sunday, but every single day. Jesus is not only our Savior who covers our sin with His blood. Jesus is our Lord. He sits on the throne of our hearts as King of kings and Lord of lords. Let us yield to His Lordship. Pray with me.